Hey guys, welcome to Tuesday. This is Monday's Hangover. We'll get to some things that we did not get to yesterday, and there's a lot of it. I hope you guys are doing well. I am still dressed down. I'm casual. I've still got the Ole Miss hat on. I don't know why. I did a show last week in Mississippi, and I got this hat, and it just fits my head. Having uh, having been a University of Georgia Bulldog, it is sort of starting to burn my head, and I probably am losing hair over this thing. But I appreciate all the comments everybody's sending in. Apparently, hotty toddy is a thing. How's that for the algorithm, Brandon? We just, we'll just say hotty toddy. Somebody's going to have to go where we do podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Go leave a five-star rating, because that's what we deserve, and leave a review and tell me what the hell hotty toddy stands for, because I, I actually know, but I, wanna, I want you to leave a review anyway. Uh, play a little baseball over there in Oxford, Mississippi. But anyway, I uh, want to hear from you guys. Hey, we're on the couch. We're hanging out. And we're sitting here on the couch is my friend Jim Nels. Jim is, uh, you know, Jim, I want to say this. First of all, I like my stuff. I like my stuff. Like if I was from an Israel tribe in the Old Testament, I'd be a stuffite. Okay. I like my things, right? And I think about the old George Carlin sketch where he says, you know, uh, my stuff is stuff, your stuff is shit. And, and like that, that whole deal, like I don't treat other people's stuff the way I treat my stuff. And your house is just a place to keep your, you stuff. Keep your stuff. And if you're going to go someplace, you pack up some of your stuff to take to the other place. Right. And you're a stuff expert because you, you understand the supply chain. You understand where we get that stuff. And the, the, the kind of the whole thing that wraps around our stuff, the economy and all these different things. Tell me a little bit first before I ask you a couple of questions. Tell me a little bit about your background. Uh, just a guy. Uh, I grew up in uh, operations. After I got out of the military, I, I started doing procurement supply chain work, mm-hmm. done consulting. I've all had line, line jobs in uh, procurement, supply chain. I've been a chief operating officer of a couple of companies. Now I have my own supply chain consulting company. Uh, it was never something sexy until about two and a half years ago. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> everyone knew what supply chain was. Yeah. And uh, we had that, that, that confluence of COVID exposing how bad the supply chain was, yeah. and then probably the worst uh, secretary of transportation ever uh, running supply chain. Yeah. You know, the way that you know you have a bad secretary of transportation is that you know who the secretary of transportation is. That's exactly right. And it shows you what happens when you get the job because of who you are, not what yeah. you know. I used to say it on the show in front of live audiences all the time. I'd say we live in a weird world when it comes to politics because we actually know who cabinet members are. And I don't think that's good. Like, like Secretary of State might want to know who that is. Secretary of Defense might want to know who that is. But when you get down into housing and urban development and you get into Secretary of Transportation and these things, it, now it's a cult of personality in a lot of ways and more than the actual job that's at hand to be done, right? Exactly. So, you know, a few weeks ago, I guess it's been a couple of months now, Joe Biden in one of his, you know, ramblings uh, said, you guys didn't even know what a supply chain was. Well, the fact that we know what supply chain is, the fact that covid hit and suddenly oddly enough there was no toilet paper uh which gastrointestinal movements had nothing to do with a symptom of covid but yet we needed toilet paper how fragile is the supply chain at this stage under this administration and is it any different than it has been say in the past 20 years it's a great question because there's a big misconception that covid causes supply chain crisis Mm. covid exposed the supply chain crisis Mm. We were broken before this. It was just, it took a catastrophic event to interrupt the supply chain to cause everything to go to hell. 
uh, our ports are totally inefficient. Uh, they did a study of the ports uh, two years ago, ranking the 250 largest ports in the world. The Port of Los Angeles, the Port of Long Beach, the two busiest in the United States, 249 and 250 in wow. terms of efficiency. The Congo has more efficient ports than we do, and they mm. only have one. And it's because we haven't automated. The unions control the ports. They don't want automation because it's going to cost them jobs. So <laughs> it takes us three days, say, to unload a ship when a port in Saudi Arabia does it in eight hours. Yeah. And so we can't be efficient. And then we have too many regulations. There are some really stupid regulations that govern the supply chain. My, my favorite stupid regulation is the fact that, let's take a woman who was in the army driving an 18-wheeler in Iraq. She comes back from driving an 18-wheeler in a war zone. She's 20 years old. She can't get a commercial driver's license to drive an 18-wheeler across state lines until she's 21. So what happens? She takes all that knowledge and goes into something else, which is why we're short almost 100,000 truck drivers. Mm. The other thing that we do is we just put additional regulations. California is crazy. And it's a shame that we're bringing so much into California because they, in the last year, they've taken about 75,000 trucks off the road because they don't comply with the emission standards for oh. California. <laughs> and then they wonder why you can't get your G.I. Joe with a Kung Fu grip when it comes time for Christmas. Now, the toilet paper thing, I still don't get because yeah. going through COVID, never needed extra toilet paper. But you know what? I may have some in my basement. You got some extra now. <laughs> like, I, I think about things like this. Now, I, like, I, I don't want to be called a prepper because of the connotations that go with it. But I think by all intents and purposes, by the definition of the word, I'm a prepper. I, I have stuff. I have I have my stuff, right? My kids call a room in my basement the bunker, so I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. And my son will let me know. He's like, Dad, I took some beans out of the bunker this morning. You might yeah. want to go replace them. Yeah, because you don't know at what stage in the game. You know, we talk about a lot of our medicines are made in India and China. Mm -hmm. Well, if things go south, they're going to take care of their own needs before they put it on a ship to come to America, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, you know... What what do we do in regards to that? Do we live in fear? Do we just keep prepping? This economy is kind of hard for people to prep. Yes, it is. So you do a few things. Let's 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 take them in two different two different buckets. First thing that we need to do as a nation mm -hmm. is work to decouple ourselves from being reliant on only one country for certain things. Yeah. Not being reliant on say China or India to get basic medical needs. We need to invest in developing those in other places. We don't have to make everything in the United States. It would be impossible, but we need to have more than one option. Yeah. That's step one. Going to the step two that we were just talking about, that it's it's expensive to be a prepper when there's a lot of inflation going on. A piece of advice that I got was when you go to the grocery store, look for one of these things where it's 10 cans of tuna for a dollar each, mm. something like that. Spend an extra 10 or $15 every time you go to the store. And before you know it, you're going to have a pantry so full, you're not going to be able to get through everything. Yeah. Those are the types of things that I think people should be doing because if the supply chain goes away again, it may not recover as quickly as we did through COVID, and it may impact things more than computer chips needed to put into a car, mm. right? It'll start impacting maybe food imports, or let's say things do go really south in, in Asia, and not necessarily because of a supply chain problem, but they stop shipping things as a way to punish the United States. Yeah, That's something that could happen too, which is why we can't be so reliant. So we live in what I call a global community, if you will. It's kind of a disjointed community, but we are connected. Whether we want to, there's that symbiosis. I mean, I I have a couple of apparel companies. It's it's next to impossible. Everybody's like, where's it made? You know, I, I, I hear your concern. Mm -hmm. I hear your frustration. But at this stage of the game, is unless you're really willing to pay a lot of money, it's virtually impossible to not have something that has not touched foreign hands or foreign soil. Is, is the idea of everything being sourced here in the USA, I mean, is it a pipe dream? Yes. I mean, it's, there's no possible way, right? 
um, unless you want to pay $10,000 for a television, right. you can't source everything in the United States. And let's just say for the sake of argument that we decided that that was something we wanted to do. It would take 50 years to build the infrastructure to mm-hmm. do it. So we, we don't have the infrastructure to do it, and it's not the smart thing to do. What we, what we need to do is partner with people in the right locations, partner with people that we trust. Mm. And if that means we have to invest in a place like, let's say, Mexico or Nicaragua or Panama to get them to build industries down there, we need to do that. Yeah. But the world does need to be interdependent on each other because not everyone can do things well and you have to focus on what you do well so that you have the comparative advantage in so that you can then have that trade that, that needs to happen. Yeah. The trouble comes when you basically sole source something and you become a prisoner to that supply chain. And I, and I try to explain that to people in less eloquent terms because I'm not, you know, I, I try to explain to people like, listen, I understand that you want everything from right here in the USA. It doesn't exist. Like, I remember when people were buying, going out in the middle of COVID, and they were going out and buying or trading in an automobile or, or a truck or something. They had to get the deal. I'm like, well, your power seats aren't going to work on this model because we don't have that chip. Yep. So, you know, there's certain bells and whistles. We can't get those from, you know, we can't get those from Asia right now. And people are like, oh. And so it's amazing to me how people are kind of blind to that whole deal, and they they villainized this concept of, oh, it's, it's not American-made. Well, anything at this stage in the game truly not touched in some way so almost everything is touched by somebody else before unless you're talking food for the most part right Right. you know corn is coming from here those types of things soybeans are coming from here but even we're importing other things but you know the the point is made in america means if it could be produced in america for example if we're Mm -hmm. bringing components in from other countries and then paying american workers to put it together that's where the value is added and they're still getting the benefit of that um economic transfer not everything needs to come out of the american soil get processed in an American factory, sent to an American assembler, and then driven on an American truck to an American grocery store. Yeah. We can have that cross those cross-border things and still make sure that Americans have a good lifestyle. What do you think about, let's change gears. Okay. What do you, what do you think about this whole Bud Light thing? Like, I, I'm hearing about these these distributors that are pissed off, right? Because, you know, they did the whole marketing thing, did what they did. And, like, and now, a company like Bud Light, They've been around forever. Budweiser been around forever. Again, they're foreign owned at this point in time, um, which is neither here nor there to this conversation. But, you know, is that situation, do they recover back from this thing? uh, Or is this going to be a long standing deal with them? Because, again, I'm looking at these distributors and these distributors like, hey, we didn't ask for this crisis. Exactly. Well, I mean, first of all, I would have loved to have been in that meeting where someone was throwing the pitch. It's like, okay, don't say no until I finish, right? right? Here's what we're going to do. I know that we have all these guys who drive F-150s and wear their baseball caps backwards yeah. and, you know, work blue-collar jobs. at an Ole Miss game. But what do you say that we just go ahead and get a transgender TikTok influencer to sell more beer to the 0.0001% yeah. of the population that's transgender? Do they recover? It's going to be hard because, yeah. let's face it, do you want to be the first amongst your friends to walk into a bar and order a Bud Light? Dude, I was in Biloxi, Mississippi, hence the hat. I was in Biloxi, Mississippi, Saturday night, did a show. We went up to the rooftop pool there at the, the hotel casino, and there were several people in the pool out there holding a Bud Light. I was like, bold move. Very bold, bold move. move. I was like, maybe that was the only option around there. But there were several people. I was like, if, you, if y'all haven't read the news? I mean, these were tattooed Southern boys out there doing this thing. And I was like... I, I don't know what to think of this. So that's an interesting point because because until then, I'd only seen one Bud Light in the wild 
for the last three months. Perhaps they're trying then. to go with the I'm man enough to drink Bud Light, <laughs> yeah. right? But here, here's the interesting part. Yeah. Modelo has overtaken Bud Light as the number one beer. Really? Who owns Modelo? I didn't know that. I didn't know the same people. Anheuser-Busch, right? Yeah. So they're making money. Yeah. It's just that it's one brand's being substituted for well, another. Well, yeah, they're going to, I mean, they own half the beer exactly. brands that are exactly. out there. So they're going to be okay. And I've said that from the beginning. So it's a weird world we're living in, man. How, it, are, are we in danger? Are we in danger? I mean, is there, is it when you look at this economy, you look at the devaluation of the dollar, you look at inflation, you look at the stock market, which is volatile, all these things, we're spending ourselves to death on the federal side. Uh, and you know raising the debt ceiling all these things how how what what kind of what kind of uh, I, i'll be honest with you sometimes i'll look at my bank account and i'll be like i'll just open up the app just to see if the money's still there yep you know what i'm saying it's, that's that's a that's a worry for a lot of people it's right still now. there on paper but try getting it out of the bank right yeah, now right the thing. here's the here's the thing the the biggest dangers coming from two different sides of the world that are impacting us in the same way mm-hmm our support of Ukraine and the war in Ukraine is depleting our military stores. And I don't even right. want to get into the argument of whether or not we should be supporting Ukraine. Sure, sure. I don't want to have that debate. Sure. But we're, we're depleting our military stores in a way that we are unable right now to fight a two-front war if that had to happen. So if Russia were to, say, launch a tactical nuke in Poland, which we would then be obligated to go defend them, and then China goes into Taiwan, mm-hmm. we're unable to do both of those things at once. Yeah. The thing that, that concerns me the most, especially with the supply chain and and from an economic perspective, is if in somehow China and Taiwan have a conflict, and it doesn't even have to be a kinetic conflict. All China has to do is do a blockade of Taiwan to cut off Taiwan. That means we're unable to get things out of Taiwan, and we will put um, sanctions against China. We won't be able to get things out of China. Mm. If we lose that, and then they shut down shipping through those straits, the world's economy comes to a ground grinding yeah. halt. I'm excited about all this. I'm so encouraged right now. <laughs> it's a, such an optimistic Tuesday afternoon. You know what? Now yeah. I would drink Bud Light if we had some. <laughs> Look at all this tequila. I Look at all these say, empty bottles, Jims, because I have guys on here. I am guys, ready guys for like some tequila now. Because no, it's, yeah. it's it's a it's a challenging time right now. It really and, is. Uh, you know, the, the sad part is our, our leadership at a federal level is the weakest it's ever been. I mean, yeah. this is the weakest it's been since the Carter administration. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better until 2024. So we're going to have to wait it out. We're going to have to hope things go well. Uh, my big concern, though, is is some of these players in the world are looking at it and they're saying, you know what? Biden's going to lose re-election. So if we're going to do something, we better do it now. Yeah. So I know you've, you're pretty regular on OAN. I've I've seen numerous spots that you've done on Fox. You doing Newsmax or any of that stuff? You just all over the Every place. Every once in a while, yeah. What all are you doing? Well, tell, tell, where can people find you? Because I mean, this is ongoing, insightful information, and you're an expert in the field. So I mean, you know, I, when I hear that, I, I hear Art Vandelay from Seinfeld. I'm in ex, import export, you know. <laughs> That's but right. it's, it's people people again. They need to learn about this stuff because they need to be prepared for what's yes, going on. So I write a lot for um, Washington Examiner, mm-hmm. uh, the National Pulse. Uh, Daily Wire as well, uh, also American Greatness mm-hmm. on, on OAN every Friday uh, on uh, the the show Tipping Point with Karen McKinney, where I do a segment called Everything Is Stupid, taking a funny look at the news. <laughs> Love it. And then um, I'm on the Steak for Breakfast podcast uh, twice a month, usually on the second and fourth Friday of every month. Cool. All right, Jim Nels, thanks for coming on, man. My pleasure. Thanks Thank you very on. much. And you know what? This is a perfect time to go right here into this right here. You know what? Everybody's stocking up on emergency food. That's what we're talking about. The USDA not long ago warned us all about imminent food shortages coming to America. It turns out with all the severe droughts and the fertilizer shortages, one third of planted crops won't be harvested. That means you'll see food shortages and higher prices at the store. 
unless you prepare now with emergency food from my patriot supply they are the nation's largest preparedness company you can go to preparewithchad.com i promise you i didn't have anything to do with setting that up but that's a great website preparewithchad.com they'll give you a huge discount on their popular four-week emergency food kit it's going to give you the peace of mind you want and need when the food shortages hit and you won't have to worry so your family's going to be well fed and best of all this food it's it actually tastes good so uh everybody loves it plus your discount brings it to less than three dollars a meal and so you'll laugh at the grocery store prices when you have this kit so go check this off your list go to preparewithchad.com right now get free shipping as well and it will show up discreetly at your door preparewithchad.com and we'll be right back all right guys welcome back uh I like Jim Nels. He's a good dude. I want to get him back on here. He is truly an expert on uh, supply chain issues and the economy and, and a political commentator. He had a great podcast as a guest of, of Avik Ramaswamy uh, recently, and that's a great interview. Go check that out. Um, but he's a super smart guy and somebody that'll help you stay in tune with what's going on and, and obviously aware and prepared. But... Now we got somebody prettier. Lily Kate's back. Lily Kate, what's up? Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. I'd like to be called prettier. That's you are nice. prettier. Well, you're far prettier than Jim Nels, but you're <laughs> in general prettier than most humans. So you've got that going for you. That's true. Yeah, you, I have you at got least that, that. Got that going for you. You can put that on a resume. Chad Prather said, if you build a website, just put me, quote me. Yeah. Um, that I want to do. I. I uh, that reminds me of Jesse Kelly. I talked to him yesterday on his show, and you know, on his the back of his new book. Uh, he just did all of his own endorsements. He just wrote yep. all of his own deals. So that's that's the way to go. That's just totally the way to go. Tell everybody what you think of yourself. Well, I hopefully will be coming out with a book maybe in the next year, year and a half. Yeah. So I'll Good. have you on the back. Good. How uh, how uh, how you been? I hadn't seen you in a long time. It's been over a year, I Has think. Has it been? I think it might have been, yeah. Wow. It's been a long time. And we're technically neighbors. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, from the woodlands. Yeah. What's going on? Well, might be moving to Dallas pretty soon for right. some new media developments. Now, I can't say too much, but I haven't exactly signed the contract yet. Yeah, so yeah. it's still in the works. Goes. But yeah, you'll be seeing a lot more of me probably. Well, you need to be following Lily Kate on her social media. Her Instagram is always fun. Her uh, commentary on her videos is, is excellent. And uh, you're an insightful young woman, and I love it. So um, I want to get some of your... Well, let's talk about Hunter Biden, first of all. Cool. All right? Awesome. So Hunter Biden, he's going to get a misdemeanor charge on his, well, I don't unpaid taxes, tax evasion, whatever you want to call it. He owes the IRS $1.8, $1.9 million, but who's really counting? Um, uh, from 2000, I think, 17 and 18. And then, of course, there was the gun charge. They just like to sweep that in there and say, well, there's a gun charge. And for those of you who don't remember, he, he actually, he was a drug user who had a gun. You can't lie you on a federal form. at the same time. Yeah. And, um, and without all the other scenarios of, you know, them finding his gun in a trash can across the street from a high school and all these other craziness, uh, that's a federal offense. You, you lied on a federal form saying that you weren't, using drugs mm. and he had a gun so uh you would think he would do a little time but no time is going to be done a little slap on for the for once the irs is not counting no, <laughs> no. they're not going to hold him accountable yeah i mean i guess it pays to have a name that goes farther than your criminal record yeah as the bidens do and i'd say he's very lucky because of that because if it was an average joe or someone who had voted republican once yeah in their life it'd be game over i mean they would throw the book at you even more than this, find all the other dirt, especially with the collusion with Ukraine and being on the board of the energy company and all the other suspicious stuff. Yeah. And they would they would put you away forever if you were just a normal 
non-connected, not powerful individual. Well, imagine if this were Eric Trump or if this were Don Jr. <laughs> yeah. Or if this was Ivanka even. I mean, they, they would throw the absolute book at them. Uh, I mean, Trump, I'm at this stage in the game where I've started telling people, I'm like, listen, guys, they're going to put Trump in jail. I mean, yeah. this thing this is going to happen. I mean, they're going to do they've this. They've been trying to, and they've invested so much money and time and effort and rage into wanting to put him in prison. Yeah. There's no way that they're going to stop that when they're this close. They have three cases against him in the courts. The third one in Georgia, we haven't even heard yet. Mm-hmm. And this uh, moving around documents one is not looking too good for him, mostly no. because he won't stop talking about he it on interviews. <laughs> he doesn't shut up about it. I mean, he was just on with uh, Brit. Was it not Brit? Brett he was Bear. on Brett Bear. He was on with Brett bear just last night and he says he's got documents i got documents i mean stop saying you have documents well and then he said yeah i was moving them around because my personal stuff was also in there and it's, you don't you don't <laughs> say it on live television well, being a lawyer for trump would well, be the hardest the, the issue job. that we have is the two-tier system of justice right because they're going to hold him accountable they're not going to hold hillary accountable or bill clinton or hillary i said hillary but or uh, joe biden or any of these other people they're not going to hold them accountable mike pence yeah uh, oh, well, they surrendered the documents. Yeah, but they had the documents and they were vice presidents mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, Joe Biden in particular was a senator and had documents. So mm-hmm. um, play a clip. Let's drop all the way down. OK, boys, drop down to number 14 and play that slot. Why did you have this very sensitive national security defense documents? <laughs> like the war plans for a strike on Iran. So like every other president, I take things out. And in my case, I took it out pretty much in a hurry, but people packed it up and we we left. And I had clothing in there. I had all sorts of personal items in there, much, much stuff. I have every right to have those boxes. This is purely a presidential records act. This is not a criminal thing. Before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things, uh, golf shirts, clothing, pants, shoes. There were many things. I would say much, much more, not that I know of, but not that I know of, but everything was declassified. And Biden didn't have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Nor did Mike Pence, by the way, have the right to do that because he wasn't president. Well, there were golf shirts. All uh, I can imagine watching that is because Glenn's got all of his the the stuff for the museum out there. Yeah. As if Glenn was just like, oh, I left my merch in one of the boxes with one of those rare documents. Let me, well, let me go find a, it. You bring up a good point, Brandon, mm-hmm. because if you were to walk out in the atrium right now, Glenn Beck is in the process of moving a ton of artifacts for the summer to his exhibit in Utah. Uh, there's $100 million worth of stuff sitting out literally through those doors right there. Um, mm, you look at that and you go, uh, Glenn, I think I left an iPhone in here, you know? Uh, can I just rummage around in some of these, you know, left boxes? Some pants. I can't get past that image of the boxes next to the toilet. Now, y'all say what you want to say. I'm sorry. This is just real world talk. I can't get past just these presidential files, documents, whether they're top secret or classified or whatever. And they're just in a bathroom at Mar-a-Lago. It, yeah, it's quite funny that 
the DOJ or the FBI, whoever raided his house, would go in, take a picture of that and be so concerned that the documents are there, first of all, but then Trump's team would put it there and then apparently he was moving boxes around and telling some lawyers, you can use these boxes, but not these boxes. I don't know. At this point, I'm thinking, who is able to win elections? Because I emotionally am there for Trump, right? And, And we're also invested in his story and the narrative and the persecution. But you know, can that win independence? Can that win an election at this point? And uh, getting, I'm getting farther away from that. Yeah, I think a lot of it becomes white noise at this point. I mean, the idea that we're saying we're going to put a former president in prison, <sighs> that's like, mm, this is historic stuff we're yeah. talking about here. I mean, like major. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that regard, not a laughing matter. This is, this is, Again, they certainly can't laugh at a two-tier justice system, which is obviously on display. Mm. You factor in the Hunter Biden thing. I mean, this this is a DOJ that's absolutely corrupt. But I'm sorry. I just don't see Donald Trump walking from the moving truck. And if, have you ever been to Mar-a-Lago? Mm-mm. It's very ornate. It's, it's a very ornate place. There's gold trim everywhere. They don't want you taking pictures in there. It's very ornate right Uh, it's like walking into a castle i just don't see donald trump walking through with boxes you know and setting them oh you know what we're gonna do we're gonna put them in this bathroom over here nobody ever used this deal and and he's setting them in there obviously people came in and they brought it and you know secured it the way that they thought was a way to to secure it Mm. it's it's just weird to me like i just can't imagine being the president of the united states and just taking the boxes of stuff and putting it in Yeah, there's for sure stuff and conversations that we don't know about the handling of whatever these boxes are, whatever was inside them, whether it was pants or actual classified documents. (laughs) But I want to go back. You said, you know, this is a moment in history that we're all going to look back on and say that's when it changed, Mm -hmm. prosecuting the leader of the political opposition. But also it's the more immediate, like, what's this going to do? Because we say every election is the most important election. Every time. And... It's kind of true every time. And so how is this going to play if he could run his campaign from potentially prison? How is that going to look? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll vote for him if he's in prison. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'll vote for him. I mean, Bring yeah, a dude, resolute just, desk and put it right in the cell. Just to see what happens, right? I'm just like, yeah. why not? Let's have someone run for president from prison. Let's make dude, things interesting. D- d- like You start looking <laughs> at this thing and you're like, how much more insanity can we embrace? A lot. I keep telling people, if you think it's bad now, we're guaranteed this is only going to get worse through at least 2028. It's not going to calm down until then. No, everything has gotten so radicalized. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. Everybody on either side of the aisle, the only people who are in control and remaining calm is the people in Washington, D.C. holding elected office. Because they're the ones, they're, the, they're not even power brokers anymore. That's the bureaucrats. Mm-hmm. These people are up there just sitting pretty in their uniparty. And they're like, ah, we got this under control. Nobody can touch us. Mm-hmm. Because again, even if they do something, this is just a slap on the wrist and a reprimand. You look at Adam Schiff last mm-hmm. week. Adam Schiff should absolutely be held accountable for the boatload of lies he told over the Russian collusion thing, saying that he had ample evidence against Donald Trump and uh, verifiable evidence and they didn't and then 20 Republicans voted not to censure him so this whole thing you can't tell me we're not dealing with a uniparty they're sitting up there their elitist cabal in their little political bubble and nobody can touch them and I tell you what they're trying to do we're going to talk more about this in the next segment they're trying to create an uprising Hmm. 
They're trying to create an uprising in the U.S. They want to see people who identify as Republicans, specifically as Joe Biden loves to call them, mega Republicans. They're trying to create ultra an, MAGA. Yeah, ultra MAGA. They want to create an uprising. And that's that's dangerous ground. We want to talk some more about that. Let's go to a break, though. Hey, everybody deals with pain from time to time. I have for the last two days, but I'm better now. Uh, pain is one of those guarantees we have in life, along with death and taxes. When it happens, we sustain it. We deal with it. We move forward. Sometimes there's no moving forward because sometimes it comes back day after day and month after month until it fills your world and steals your joy and you get nothing out of life anymore except the pain. Well, if you're one of those people who experience this, you know how awful it can be. The good news is it doesn't have to be that way. Relief factor is a great way to reduce pain, which is caused mostly by inflammation in your joints. And when you take it as directed, it could absolutely change your life. It's not a drug, but it is developed by doctors and it reduces inflammation in your body. Guess what? 70% of the people who take it keep ordering it because it works. So if you're living with pain, try it. They have a three-week quick start. It's only $19.95. It's a trial pack. Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Or give them a call if you want to talk to somebody. 800, the number four, relief. And we'll be right back. You know, you read the comments on social media under this thing with uh, Hunter Biden and the news coming out. uh, And I notice a lot of people saying it's time to time to fight back against the government and it's like i don't know what you think you intend to do mm-hmm. at this stage in the game I and mean, we've given them so much power those days in many ways are past um and the government overreach and the just the size and scope of our government's gotten so dadgum big that how do you even begin to start something like that so mm-hmm. um what are you hearing i mean you, you're involved with a lot of these different organizations and and you hear a lot of talk from different influencers and things um the point of frustration that's out there you see this thing you know it's a travesty of justice um then those on the left say oh no this is perfectly the way it ought to be mm-hmm. you know what, what do you what do you think the level of angst and emotion is out there definitely on the male side it's a little bit stronger mm-hmm. for the women we are more interested in boycotting target we're more interested in embracing <laughs> the trad wife lifestyle so yeah from the female side we're a little bit let's build culture instead of turn it you know turn it to shambles let's like build something let's talk about the positive parts of being a woman what what does that look like oh yeah i mean you are seeing this very broad movement of women who are saying you know what feminism and everything that it offers is totally rotten Mm -hmm. i don't want any part of that why did women before me fight to work wages haven't grown you know what i actually kind of like the idea of being a mom mm-hmm. and not having to go to work eight hours, nine hours a day, and then getting stuck in traffic. And so even since the last time we talked about this was probably around last summer, you know, we're seeing even more of that. Women are becoming way more realistic about, hmm, feminism, pretty pretty bad stuff that they're offering me, yeah. and I want an alternative. now. There's a recent TikTok that went viral that was this girl talking about, it's weird because you can only find masculine men who are conservative, yeah. right? And she said, I, I might be having my trying to have my cake and eat it too. And that's the thing is there are a lot of women who are still in the place where they're wanting to remain liberal, yeah. wanting to remain, quote unquote, what they say is fully autonomous because they've bought into the feminist lie that the greatest thing that you can accomplish is full autonomy while also wanting a conservative man. But fortunately, that's not a relationship that's going to work. See, I see that happening a lot with women. Happens with everybody, but particularly with women. 
you fight your you, you're told that you're being deprived of something right mm-hmm. you need a career you need equal pay you need all of these things have your cake eat it too like the girl said in the tiktok video yeah. um and, and you're it's a lie you're being you're being deceived to think hey if you'll work through this maze and go through all these things and and, and zigzag and touch all these steps check all these boxes when at the end of it you'll get your cheese they get to the end of that maze they get the cheese and they realize the cheese wasn't everything they thought it was supposed to it's be it's probably blue cheese yeah <laughs> got a little fungus on it. <laughs> a little stinky cheese but yeah. it's not delicious right and so now they're now they're spending their life eating that cheese and uh, the, again, the cheese isn't as satisfying as they mm-hmm. thought it would be. And so I, I'm seeing more and more of that as yeah. I talk to people. And uh, I'm hearing more and more out of people in your age group, your generation, people in their 20s who are saying, you know what? We actually do want to be provided for. We actually do want to be taken care of. We want to feel secure. We want to be able to do what God put us on this planet to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the feminist movement failed in doing that. Yeah. Um, we see the lies that are out there when they say this is what culture should be. We should be putting, you know, tuck it clothing in Target and we should be putting pride baby shirts in Gap. And uh, we should have marketing campaigns that involve, you know, all these other lifestyle choices that ultimately lead to a, a weird result, <laughs> chaotic and, and tragic result in many cases. And, uh, and more people, because I'm, I'm a big talking about parallel economy, but I think what you're saying in a lot of ways is let's create a parallel culture, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think it's going to take women to do that. Yes. Because here's the thing. Yes. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm before, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but here's the thing. Men are scared. <laughs> Men are scared to approach women on that basis now because we've been told for so long that you can't do that. I, I can't go out there and be an alpha, quote, toxic male. <laughs> I might get caught manspreading or mansplaining. I can't go out there and be that strong person in front of a woman because I got to let her shine in such a way that, you know, we don't diminish her strength and might. And, (laughs) you know, we had everything from the third wave feminist to the Me Too movement and everything. Now guys are scared. Scared, yeah. And they have every right to be scared. I mean, you know, women have this license to act crazy, not only because 90% of women are already on birth control, which is making them crazy, but, you know, they're favored in the social courts. They're also favored in the political courts. I mean, right. or the, the courts that deal with any kind of justice. I mean, if yeah. you allegedly get assaulted by a guy, then his life is over if you accuse, even if it's not true. And we've seen that, obviously. Over and uh, over. Over and over again, yeah. But I think the... um the thing that most feminine women are coming to is this cool relationship between men and women where it's men, men's goal and purpose is to civilize nature, but women's goal and purpose is to civilize men. And so there's this kind of, there's just this mixing of this is how the roles should be. And if women are trying to civilize nature, it's not going to work. It's gonna turn into chaos, it's going, it's gonna slip out of their hands. We're not capable, that's not our God-given purpose. But yeah. if we can spend our time civilizing men and then inserting beauty into the places that men build in the culture, then that's where a woman can click into her most powerful um, essence. And a lot of women are, by rejecting feminism, are finding femininity and then finding that truth is where they can insert beauty and life and civilized men is really where the culture change is going to happen. Yeah. Make sure you pull that last two minutes and give that to her as a clip and let's post it as well because that's solid. That's good stuff. And that's a great, excellent point. It really is. Um, I, I love that. And I want to, I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you credit a couple of times and I'm going to steal it and say it's my own. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but men want to civilize nature and women want to civilize men. It's a great point. It's a great point. We even see it in Genesis because before woman was there, Adam 
mm-hmm. named all the animals. Yeah. And then he was sad, wasn't right for him to be alone. And then Eve came along. And actually in Genesis chapter two, it's Genesis one and two, there's a very straight narrative of, okay, and this happened and this happened and this happened. It's just kind of a continuous list of all that God created. But yeah. then as soon as Adam sees woman, he breaks out into a poetic song, mm. right? For the first time, the syncopation and the language changes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh my gosh, my life is complete now. Yeah. And women, we have that power. And that's really, really amazing. And so yeah. this anti-feminist movement is trying to reconnect women with their actual power source, which is the femininity that we just now truly have yeah well, god bless women i mean adam saw her and broke into song i mean you can't you can't beat that so. and then she screwed up everything but, but she screwed it up and, then, the and that's part of the curse right <laughs> where where you know part of the curse was god said your desire shall be for the man a lot of people say that oh is that what does that mean she's gonna want him no 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 she wants his position. Oh she my wants gosh, his status. Yes. She wants his place. And that's been part of the curse. Feminism is the institutionalization of Eve's curse because the pain in childbirth, that's very easy for a mm-hmm. kid to understand. Mm-hmm. Got it. Makes sense. But desire will be for your husband. It's in other translations, of course, because English translations are typically not that great of the right. Bible. It's your desire will be to control him or be over him. Mm-hmm. And you can't forget about that when we're examining Jezebel in the Bible, all she wanted was to control him. And Mary, you know, the mother of Jesus, she was never in a place where she wanted to control. Mm -hmm. She was always in a place where she said, God, whatever you need to do through me, you do that. And I think there's a big juxtaposition of those two women in the Bible and how then contrasting Jezebel's spirit to feminism today, it's all about controlling, it's all about dominating, it's all about being better than or assuming the masculine role, which you can't fit a feminine woman into a masculine shaped box. You just can't do that. Bobbed hair and ballsy wives, I'm telling you, man, that's the problem with culture today. (laughs) Add women preachers. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get some feedback for that one. Uh, Hang tight. All right, guys, uh, I want to tell you once again about my friends over in Abilene, Texas, JM4 Tactical. Uh, They have a patented magnetic technology for holsters. It's the only magnetic retention holster that's on the market. My buddy Chad Myers over there, he crafts these things from Herman Oak Full Grain U.S. Grade A Steer Hide. So it's a a good, durable, beautiful uh, soft leather, and it has these incredibly strong magnets. So there's a little flap on the thing. I'd bring one in, but there's guns in them. <laughs> and they kind of frown on that sometimes here in the studio. But I love these. All of my holsters now are these magnetic holsters. It's the only one like it on the market from JM4 Tactical. Now, it has a strong magnet. So what that means is you can put it anywhere, any place that the magnet's going to stick. You can wrap that around there, and it's going to hold on. So let's say you're wearing a belt and, and blue jeans or whatever. That's easy. But what if you're wearing athletic shorts or sweats or leggings or something like that? Well, that magnet is going to clip on either side, and it's going to stay there, and you don't have to worry about your firearm uh, you know, slipping out or that thing falling from your waistband or anything because the magnet's going to not only hold it in place, but it holds your gun in place as well. So it gives you easy access to the handle of your firearm and then easy access to the trigger whenever you unholster it so 
there's a couple of different designs that are available. I want you to go and check it out. And pretty much every uh, every caliber firearm that you have, they have for you. And it's a beautiful fit for your firearm. And if you call them on the phone, guess what? They'll even walk you through the process of making sure that everything you need for your holster, if let's say you got sights or rails or, or a, a light underneath, they'll make the holster for you. But give them a shot. Go over to jm4tactical.com. That's the number four. JM, the number four, tactical.com. And if you want to save a little money, use promo code CHAD. I spell it Chad. Head over to JM4 Tactical today. We'll be right back. You know, I, I hear you guys out there. Uh, you're watching the show. You're listening to the show. You're like, how is this young lady? I mean, she's she's in her early 20s. She's sharp as a tack. She knows some very insightful things. There's a lot of wisdom there. How does somebody get wisdom like that? This is the epitome of what I'm talking about when I tell you, teach young people that are under your tutelage, under your authority, whatever. Teach them to think critically. Teach yourself to think critically, first of all, and then add some complexity of thought in that. Uh, and teach them to read. Because I know you're a reader. You're, you're reading. What, what are you reading these days? Right now, I'm reading Feminism Against Progress by Mary Harrington. It is a fantastic book. It's yeah. this British woman. And she's very highly intellectual, pursued the feminist dream for a long time, had a child and was like, huh, hold on. Let me think through this, actually. And she's talking about how feminism has basically been taken over by Marxism, has now turned into a form of bio libertin like libertinarianism yeah. or something i don't know how to say that it's word along with but libertinarianism yeah and i'd mess it up if i wasn't trying how biology is now apparently the only thing that's restricting feminists from having true equality and that's why we have this transgender movement that's an amazing concept right super yeah, good book it's it's wild what's the name of the book again uh feminism, feminism against, against progress. progress yeah mary harrington mary harrington very good i uh want to read that it's funny how childbirth tends to change perspectives on a lot of things, right? I'm sure. I mean, I haven't done it yet, but I hope to yeah. do it uh, at least 11 times. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of women out there who had a very strong opinion. I went to college with a lot of girls who said, I'm never bringing a child into this world. That was 30 years ago. I'm never bringing a child into this world. And then they did it. And then they were like, oh, well, let's do four more times. <laughs> because it does. It changes your perspective on that. It's almost like a light bulb comes on, a spiritual light bulb comes on. It's an epiphany where you say, hmm, this might be the reason why I was put here on this planet. Mm -hmm. You know? It's just a very, very natural thing. And like I said, I want to do it 11 times. I want so many kids. But are weird. until then. You're weird. <laughs> Have the first one and then let's see, okay? Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah. homeschool all of them, that's for sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's the way to go. I, I've never understood that. And as the father of four, I never understood how women could go through all of that. All of that. And there's a lot. There's more than just the childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't preach it to the choir for our female audience out there. They're, go through all of that and say, man, I want to do this again. You know, I want to do the bed rest. I want to do the, oh, you know. Whew. Yeah, it's a That's biological what, clock. And a lot of feminists are trying to fight against that clock that will go off. Yeah. And, you know, you just have this need. You want a child. You want to hold them. You want to cuddle a little baby. Yeah. All the good parts. But, you know, feminism says that's not actually going to fulfill you. That's something that is that is designed to oppress you. I mean, Kate Millet, I think in, uh, she said that the... Uh, nuclear family is a structure of political and economic oppression. I mean, that's literally how they view a mm -hmm. family is that the family is only set up to oppress you, which is a very classical woman position because we think everything's oppressing us all the time. But yeah. it's also just false. I mean, the world, the structures that we have 
are structures that have existed forever and ever and ever, and they are good structures that increase human flourishing and civilization and are created over so many years of trying and failing and trying and failing. And then all of a sudden you have these amazing structures of Western civilization and everyone hates them because they think it's oppressive. It's no order is not oppressive. Order is something that just organizes. Order leads to peace. Mm -hmm. Order leads to peace. The reason your car can drive down the road and not shake apart is because is because something governed that there was an architectural blueprint that put all that together. Mm -hmm. And the reason you can drive in your car down the highway and there be peace in the cab of that car or truck it's because there's order. Mm-hmm. Everything's working in order. You get outside of that order, man, and the rhythm falls all apart mm-hmm. on that. So as a man, I know that, for instance, men men tend to very, very crudely simplify it. Men, men feel about themselves only to the degree that they have a right relationship with their work and their women, okay? Work and women is everything because without those two things, you feel like, what's my point here? Mm-hmm. Because I want a reason to leave the cave and go club something over the head, hunt it, bring it back, drag its carcass in, cook it over a fire, feed you with it, and do the same thing again tomorrow. That is fulfilling to a man, right? Um, A woman wants to make sure the cave is, as you said, civilized, because he's been out in in the wild. Yeah. He's been out in the wild. He comes back to a safe haven. That's that's not a place of weakness. That's a place of strength. Yeah. It's a place of satisfaction and for the, the feminine. Yes, and the way to make it even stronger and you get better and better results, I believe, is being a grateful wife. Yeah. I'm not a wife yet, but it'll happen someday. And Come on, guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's got it under control. Don't start sending messages. She's got it under control. <laughs> well, we may put a little fire under his butt. All right, but come on. Just saying. Yeah. Um, no, but being a grateful wife is the thing that inspires the most masculinity out of a man or just being grateful and being able to just pull it out of him. Because when you think about the word civilized, and I was thinking about this as you were doing that last ad break, when you think about the word civilized, it's not something that you can hit someone over the head Mm. and civilize them right that's where the controllingness comes in it has to be something you inspire out of them because when you raise children you are civilizing them they aren't very civil when they're toddlers but it's a slow process and it kind of continues into the male female relationship where you just have to inspire it out of them and femininity can do that i don't know why i don't know how it just does it's a strong place to have in society that's for sure uh speaking of strong things your guns uh boy i'm starting to see a trend on this show uh you got to clean your guns it is a dirty job but it is part of being a responsible gun owner you've we've talked about the patches we've talked about the cleaning rope bore snake deals that kind of hide the dirt when they come through I want you to use Barrel Buddy. These things are pretty cool right here. These Barrel Buddies, they actually come in uh, seven different sizes. They'll fit every caliber gun you have. What they do is they compress on the end of the rod. When you push it through your gun's barrel, they will fill the barrel's interior. They'll clean the rifling grooves. Uh, They are composed of polymers that won't leave behind the residual particles like a lot of fabrics do. So that makes it safer. Cleans by scrubbing and collecting the particulates. It absorbs the remaining residue, buffs the interior surface clean. You can lubricate your firearm while you're cleaning. So it's an important step, cleaning your gun. This is a cool way to do it right here. So I want you to check them out. Barrel Buddy's a totally new concept. It's the only place you're going to find this uh, idea. So go get some today. I promise you're going to love them. Where's my gun nuts out there? Go get some Barrel Buddy. BarrelBuddy.com. That's BarrelBuddy.com. We'll be right back.
Hey, guys, before we get out of here, do you remember when late-night television was funny? I don't either. Uh, listen, it's hard to recall the last time one of those network comedians actually made me laugh. Well, here at Blaze TV, you know we're, we're pushing a lot of comedy these days, and uh, we're bringing late-night back starting tonight with the premiere of Normal World. Join comedians and my friends Dave Landau and Quarter Black Garrett tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern as they reinvent late night using topical sketches, comedic conversations on the latest political and social news, and even musical guests. You might even see me every now and then. Blaze TV is rescuing comedy from the humorless left, so join us tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern. Head over to youtube.com slash normal world and hit the notification bell so you don't miss out on the fun. Lily Kate, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You can find her and more of her insight and wisdom at it's lily kate on instagram check her out and uh best wishes on the future endeavors and all 47 kids you're gonna have i love it <laughs> keep having them uh start having them then keep having them um you got your priorities right and i always love that tell your dad i said hello will do um and uh head over to watchchad.com that's where all the fun stuff is this saturday night i am in beaumont texas it's a big big place so there's still a few tickets available but it's gonna be a big crowd and it's gonna be a big party so head over there and uh check out my tour schedule I'm bouncing all over the country going to be doing everything from pennsylvania to california so do not miss out i'd love to see you out on the road and uh, as i said go check out normal world tonight at 10 eastern uh dave and quarter black i love just saying quarter black uh dave and quarter black are working hard on this show they got a great production staff and uh, normal world is going to be something that it's absolutely entertaining for you guys but uh, subscribe blaze tv.com slash chad use promo code chad we'll see you tomorrow love you god bless you bye Thank you.